Hi, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 76. On Horror Movie Podcast, you hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh, and you are monsters, both of you! <laughs> I have come to really look forward to your greeting, Josh. You are a pro at this. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so yeah, now we're on this bi-weekly schedule, and we haven't done a Frankensteinian episode, which is just a crazy random mix of whatever we've seen lately. We haven't done that in a long time, and so that's what we've got tonight. But uh, we can't really proceed or go anywhere, Dr. Shock, until we talked about one of our favorite guys. We had the, the loss of Gunnar Hansen on November 7th. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. Not even that old. No. He was, what, 68? He was in his 60s. I thought it was earlier than that. Maybe it was 68. I, but, you know, in his 60s. It was a surprise. I didn't realize he was sick. I didn't realize he, um, he, had, uh, he had cancer. Yeah, I mean, that was weird because we said a similar thing about Wes Craven as well. And right. it's like um, some celebrities, you know, they end up keeping their their personal life, you know, pretty private. Yeah, yeah. he had pancreatic cancer, I believe. That's what he died of. And um, it's a real loss. Uh, you know, it's amazing just today. And I'm I'm serious. Just today, like a couple hours ago, I was at work and I heard somebody, my boss was actually talking and he's not a horror fan that I know of, but he referred to Leatherface. And just in conversation, he was just, mm. um, I, I forget what it was that he was saying exactly, but he just referred to Leatherface in passing. And I'm like, wow, Gunnar Hansen has really, he, he's kind of, he, he made it into uh, like our cultural footprint to some extent. I mean, he's a part of pop culture. <laughs> He, he did and and that's and it's that that's the reason you know I know I, he did appear in other films um, I, I had uh, actually reviewed one of them on the blog not too long ago uh, uh, Hollywood chainsaw hookers yeah <laughs> he had a, 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 a role in that one um, not what I would call his finest moment um, but you know you look at the performance he did give in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the scene I always go back to is that one where he's like looking out the window and he's sitting there and he's just sort of, um, uh, you know, going, uh, his hands and like, sort of like he's, you can tell he's upset. He's like, where are all these people coming from? Why, why are they bothering me? Why, why do I have to keep killing these people? You know, why, why don't they just leave us alone? And, and he, he did, it really was a, a good performance, you know, it, it was very strong. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's going to be his, his legacy, obviously. And it's really interesting because, like, I read a, a quote by him. He said, um, people have a very mistaken idea of me. They figure that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974 was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me, that I was just off somewhere being rich, famous, signing autographs. I get crank calls in the middle of the night. Guys making chainsaw noises, vroom, vroom, and telling me chainsaw jokes. And he says about that film, I'm not totally enamored with the film. It is a very good, 
at what it is, a film that succeeds in really scaring the hell out of people. And hmm. he was a big part of that. And so I'm, he, I'm just... He was. I know it's your favorite horror film of all time. It's my yes, it number one favorite horror film. And I just... And it's fun. And one thing that's interesting is I heard um, his uh, something else always kind of stuck with me about him is I heard his um, commentary. And, um, you know, on the Blu-ray, they have the original commentary. And then they also have like they talk to the cast after the fact and everything. This is the Dark Sky Blu-ray that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the original commentary, and I remember I'd heard this on DVD years ago. Uh, Gunnar Hansen, the the scene where he's um, with with him and Franklin, he was saying that that was like his most satisfying moment. He couldn't wait to take a chainsaw to, uh, well, should I go into a spoilers? Anyway, he he couldn't he couldn't <laughs> wait he couldn't wait to to have at it with Franklin because he said the guy was annoying as hell. Right. <laughs> um, but then later on, he got to know him. He got to know that actor, and he said that he realized that you know he was sort of a method actor. Which I guess none of them were on that on that set except for the guy who played Franklin, um, and he got to know him, and they actually became very good friends. So I just thought that was, uh, I thought that was kind of funny, a sort of a before and after, you know, yes. that, that he got to know him after the fact, yes. uh, after even doing that. I mean, many years later, obviously. And by all accounts, I mean I understand that uh, many people have told me, like people who have met him and so forth, that he was a genuinely nice guy. So that's that's yep. pretty cool too. So yeah. anyways, he will be missed. We just want to make sure that we took a moment on Horror Movie Podcast to recognize the loss of Gunnar Hansen. And the other thing that I feel, you know, I just feel like I want to mention on this podcast is um, we just want to wish all our, our friends and listeners in France, wish them well because we're recording this uh, not too long after the Paris attacks and that was... Uh, just very heartbreaking, and so we just yeah. want to send our thoughts and let you know that we're we're with you all, and uh, you're in our thoughts. So, absolutely, yeah, that's a true tragedy. It really yep. is. Now, uh, speaking of uh, real life horror, I just want to mention something else. Do you remember way back when on horror movie podcast I mentioned that documentary, The Bridge, which was about uh, suicide? Do you remember me talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, definitely not a horror film at all. It's from 2006, and it's just about this filmmaker who documented uh, a year at the Golden Gate Bridge, and they captured on film most of the people who jumped that year, and so it has actual um, deaths on film. Well, unknowingly, Josh, unwittingly, I, I ended up checking out Cartel Land, which is a documentary about the Mexican drug cartels. Right. And because recently, why unwittingly? <laughs> why, well, well, no, I, I knew what I was checking out, but I didn't know the sort of content that would be in it. Because we saw, um, for those who aren't aware of this, we reviewed Sicario, which is new in theaters this year. We reviewed that over on a movie podcast weekly with Josh and his wife Rachel, and we had a great conversation. And that really got me curious about learning more about this drug cartel situation. And, and so that's basically the documentary real life version of that. And the imagery that they show in the Sicario, the, the fiction film, you know, they show a lot of awful things, but it's just like, you know, it's like horror movie stuff. You have like heads taken off of bodies and so forth, but it's all, you know, either it's usually practical effects in that movie. Um, but in 
cartel land i was not expecting this whatsoever but they show a lot of gruesome images and and i probably to be honest i probably would have never even seen it but i bring it up on this podcast because i just think there's something about horror fans i don't know what it is i haven't been able to put my finger on it but it's almost like we have some sort of uh fascination or at least we want to look at death in the face and uh, and uh, it was really interesting to me as a horror fan to see something like cartel land where they actually showed um gruesome awful images of bodies and 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 so oh. forth in real life and i i wasn't expecting that at all i mean we talked in our cannibal episode about the turtle the tortoise being chopped up and stuff and it's like wow i mean i just i i wasn't ready i wasn't prepared for that and i just it made me think, I was just curious, I'm like, I wonder how this would strike, you know, most of the other horror fans if they saw content like this. Any thoughts on that, you guys? I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really comment on that specifically. I do know that real life horror, like you're saying, real life death captured on, on camera, I find um, extremely difficult to watch. Yeah. There's nothing romantic or entertaining about real no. death. No, no, which is why the documentary form, um, I think, is important to kind of ground us a little bit, in in, in one sense, and to realize the severity of uh, some of the situations we find ourselves in, like world conflicts and things like that are going on, like in cartel land. But yeah, it's hard. I mean, we I talked about this on the Cannibal episode. That thirty minute documentary was probably the most disturbing thing I watched, and there's no gore in it it's an interview with a guy um, you know there are the crime scene photos but that is that was no fun <laughs> to watch right. that you know right oh yeah you know i forgot yeah. about that and i'm sorry that i did but yeah josh you it sounds like you had a, a very similar experience yeah because some of these things were photos but i there's like one image in cartel land of just somebody who's who's hanging by the neck and it's um it's extremely unnerving. And I just, uh, you know, I was just really surprised because I'm not a horror fan because I like looking at people dead and so forth. But, you know, we've talked many times about why we find horror entertaining or whatever. But yeah, this definitely isn't entertaining. And I was still surprised how it struck me because I, I kind of consider myself a little bit uh, desensitized or so forth. But when I see the real thing, it was just really a shock to me. And I guess that was all my only point so yeah i do not That's like seeing good. it in that context let's keep it that way Jack. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did i did <laughs> yeah. not enjoy that at all like you said like you described your experience but speaking of your experience wolfman josh we've got dr shock and i got the most intriguing texts uh like earlier this week i believe it was like monday or something mm -hmm. so josh texts us that he was in this real life horror situation that he wanted to tell us about. And I am dying to hear it. So we got to, I cannot wait till the end of the episode, Josh, I got to hear this right now, please. Okay. Well, this is a campfire story though. So you're going to need to settle in for that. Okay. I am ready. I, Gather around the campfire. We, we want this right now. Like I'm, I'm ready to be freaked out. Okay. So I was away in New York and Boston uh, for my family filming this week. And I came home and, I, and my wife picks me up at the airport. I got in late. And she says, do you want to hear the regular news or something kind of disturbing? And I said, uh, well, let's start with something kind of disturbing, I guess. And this was Monday? Is that when it was? Um, I'm not or sure exactly what day it was. Okay, sorry. 
It was when I, yeah, it was whenever I arrived back uh, for my New York trip. Okay. But um, we're driving home, and she starts telling me the story now, just a little bit of uh, background. I live on in this neighborhood that is mostly filled with really old people. Um, it was a neighborhood that was built in the 60s and 70s, and a lot of those people were young families when they built their homes, and now they're all in their 80s or dying or moving into old folks' homes. And so there's a few young families like myself moving into the neighborhood, but mostly it's really old folks. And my next-door neighbors are also really old folks. And um, the husband passed away this last year, unfortunately. He was a really awesome, interesting guy, but it's left his wife alone in the house. And um, my wife starts telling me her name's – well, I, I, won't, I guess I won't give her name. But You want to um, give her a, a pseudonym, like a different name? Yeah. Let's call her – Sally? That's a little weird for an older lady. Okay. How about how about Virginia? Okay. That's also weird, but I'll go with it. So Virginia is asleep in her bed at night, and um, she wakes up, kind of stirs around 2, 2.30 in the morning, and she feels a head next to her in bed on her pillow. <laughs> and she rolls over, and she's face-to-face with – her handyman, he's been her handyman for the last five years, ever since her husband became kind of incapacitated, you know, as he was getting older, he was in a wheelchair. And so they had this handyman um, helping them out. And he's also been in my home several times. We've hired him many, many times for little handyman things around the house. He was, in fact, when I was in Columbia, he came in my house and like fixed the lock while I wasn't even, like, while we weren't even here. Um, so we, you know, he's kind of a trustworthy or he was seen as this trustworthy fella and, um, she turns over in bed and there he is with his head nestled on her pillow and crouching next to her bed, eyes wide open, staring at her. Oh, oh my goodness. And she says, what are you doing in here? And he says, I'm watching you. <laughs> no. And she says, get out of my house right now. And he says, I thought you understood me. And she says, you need to leave right now. You need to go out. You need to get out of my house. So so he leaves. She locks the door. She's freaking out. She calls the police. She's calling her kids to let them know. And she looks out of the window. um, About two hours later, uh, as the police and people are finally starting to arrive, and he's in the front yard still um, of her house, and he's digging up like flowers they had helped them plant <laughs> and tearing apart. She's got this amazingly beautiful garden. Uh, Jay, you were over here. Do you remember my next door neighbor's house at all? Like, Yeah. So if I'm facing your house, is it the house on the left? Yeah. Like okay. incredible garden, right? Yeah. It's amazing. And he's just ripping it to shreds, tearing apart like things that were very special to the husband who's passed away. Um, he was a guy, the husband had uh, groomed bonsai trees for years and he was like smashing them on the pavement. Oof. Like super crazy, and then disappears. Like How the old is this guy, Wolfman Josh? I, I'm gonna guess he's about 45 to 50. <laughs> so he's a lot younger than she is. And what is she in her 60s, Virginia? Yeah, she's gonna be six. Yeah, probably late 60s, early 70s. Oof. Wow. And um, he's just tearing. So my wife's telling me all this on the drive home, and I'm like, wait, what is going? On? This is crazy. <laughs> and um. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, he has keys to our house, correct? 
She's like, well, he did, but we got him back. And I'm like, but he could have made copies of our yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, jeez. Plus, he's a handyman who switches out your locks. And yeah, it's like- all the time. Like, yeah. I'm like, it's not hard for him to get in here. And he knows wow. our garage code. And if you know our garage code, there's not like a lock on that door. Right. There is going to be very soon. Even I know your garage code. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So I was a little bit freaked out and I'm saying, well, so what happened? What happened? She's like, oh, he just left. Like the police said, you're not allowed back unless you're invited. And that's it. Nothing else. Nothing further. And so the wife calls um, this guy's wife and she says, have you seen my husband? And he said, yeah, he was in my bedroom at 2.30 in the morning. (laughs) And she said, oh, I was worried about that. Um, Yeah. He had a psychotic break five years ago. And then he's been on this medication and he's been refusing to take his medication and he disappeared from our house tonight and we had no idea where he was. You know, he wouldn't answer his cell phone. Um, we don't know where he, and we don't know where he is now. I was hoping you would know. And she said, well, he was here and the police told him to leave and he just disappeared into the night <laughs> or I guess into the early morning. Yeah. So um, this is all on the drive home. I'm like, okay, awesome. So uh, my, our kids are asleep at my in-laws house. Uh, and so we stop, pick up the kids and drive to our, drive to my house. And when I get home, the front door is just unlocked. Like, I don't know if someone unlocked it. If he unlocked it, if my wife left it unlocked, I don't know what. So, wait, 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 I gotta, I gotta. So you are, um, well aware of this and you're concerned that maybe he's hanging out at your house. I don't want him to be laying on my pillow. At, you know, that's <laughs> one thing. Wow. I mean, this is the following evening after all this transpired. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So this is just, had just happened the night before a day has passed. No one knows where he is. And I come home with my, you know, you know, I've been gone for a week, come home, I'm holding my sleeping children in my arms, come into a dark house and my front door is just unlocked when I get home. Oh, wow. I'm like that's no good. So I go and, and I've got this tire thumper. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these at like a truck stop or gas station. They're called tire thumpers. They're basically like these giant wooden sticks. And then inside they've got like a metal bar. And nice. supposedly they're for thump, you know, hitting your tire. I think they're really for uh, like truckers ass. to defend themselves. Right, with, right. Which is right. why I bought them. I, I have a couple <laughs> I keep one in my car and, so I run, I go into the car and I grab, when I go up, I check my kid's room first, put them in bed. And then I start like searching around my house with this tire thumper in hand. <laughs> like, cause I don't have, I don't have, I mean, I guess I have knives and stuff, but I'm not going to go to that level yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't have a gun or anything. So I'm going around my house with this tire thumper and, and I go and I get to the back door and my back door is also unlocked. Oh my goodness. <sighs> So then I'm like, maybe he was in here. He heard us come in and he ducked out the back. So now I'm freaking out because I need to go to sleep. I haven't, I haven't slept in like a day and a half. My kids are asleep. It's like, you know, at this point, like two in the morning again. And I'm not sure that my house locks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. And so it, I was, I mean, nothing happened, you know, knock on wood. Thank goodness. But I, it was freaky and I, there's no resolution to it at this point. And he's so, still out there. He's, he's, he still hasn't. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I had a couple locks that I hadn't changed from earlier. I, I went ahead and changed those, but 
I, you know, I changed my garage code J so you can't get in now. Dang it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I need to, I seriously, I need to get on changing all of my locks in yeah. the house. Yes. <laughs> that is, I tell you what, just, just when you said him staring wide eyed, looking at the neighbor. Yeah. The head on the pillow. That thing. just yeah. said it. That's in a chill. Of my, that right there. got <laughs> me. Just the thought of you're sleeping and somebody who's unhinged is staring at you. Crouching next to your bed with their head on their, your pillow next to you. Oh, that's horrible. On your same pillow. So he was on, so I I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to sleep for days after that. Yeah. She was asleep and and her back was to him and she rolled over. I would have, I seriously, I would have had a heart attack and died. Like, I don't know how she didn't have a heart attack in all honesty. I don't know. And then she started, you know, telling me there were warning signs earlier. Like she'd come home earlier in the week and he was sleeping on her couch. She's like, Oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, Oh, I just, I was feeling cold and tired. I needed someplace to relax. And I guess it's not totally out of. Right. I mean, it seemed like they were somewhat friendly with him. Yeah. Like he had their house, you know, he knew where their house key was and everything. And we, I guess we had left our house, but my wife told me we would left our house key with her. But she just given it to him, and we don't know what point he she had it. Wow. Anything, but you know what? Um, well, I, maybe I shouldn't say this because I don't want to make light of his apparent mental illness. But um, I guess maybe I shouldn't say. I was just gonna say, like, I, well, no, you can't even. I mean, if he's in that state, then he's probably just not well. So they they haven't apprehended him, as far as you know. Then at this, not point. to my knowledge, no. So what are you gonna? I mean. What are you going to do about this Wolfman Josh? <laughs> well, there's nothing really to do other than, you know, change your locks and make sure he can't get in. Of, yeah. Well, when, yeah. Okay. Well, when they say he had a psychotic break, I mean, that makes you wonder, okay, well, um, is he dangerous? Is he violent? Is he like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know that either. Yeah. Well, but, it's, I, I, you certainly don't want to find out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrifying. It, it was terrifying. That story yeah, I, though is so uh, freaky. That is. I'm gonna. Holy cow! It reminded me of M Night Shyamalan's story that inspired The Sixth Sense. I don't know if you guys ever remember hearing that. No, tell it. Uh, mm. I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know it perfectly, but basically, it was a similar situation. They their family came home, and either their garage door was open or their front door was open, and the father freaked out a little bit and. And the family said, well, what's going on? He's like, I just had this image of this crazy guy sitting on our bed when we went into the house, Oof. which was kind of inspired that, you know, opening scene of. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. right. Makes sense. So. Yeah. With, wow. uh, with Wahlberg. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it didn't actually happen. He it just, didn't actually happen. It was kinda, just kind of his. Yeah. And it probably thing. scarred his son night. <laughs> I would think so. Wow. That was a tremendous story. <laughs> Super scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. and again, is. I wouldn't I would definitely would not want to make light of someone's mental illness or mm. what, or anything like that. But Mm-mm. if you do need to be medicated, take your medication, people. It's important. Yes. Yeah. Or get, Obviously. Get, get to a doctor and and have a diagnosis done and those are important things. See, I'm going to I'll probably that that disturbed me to such an extent that I will probably have dreams about this and I'll worry about that because you always here's the thing, Josh, this is what you did to me just now. I you you always worry that when you roll over you're going to see a face. And and I always tell myself in my mind, now that's just in all these 
horror movies I see, right? You know, it's always in these horror movies and that's why that's happening. But then in this case, it was actually real. It really yeah, happened. That's horrible. Like, that that's one of the reasons why Juan scared me so much. Just that oh, yes. scene where the woman's was his name's staring Juan. down. His name's Juan. Juan is his name. <laughs> I'm just joking. Isn't so. that oh, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, that was that's one of the the scenes that scared me the most where the woman's in bed and she looks up and this the woman's just with her eyes wide staring down at her. Yeah. And then looks and then the child is there sort of sitting down on the bed staring as well, just looking. I had um, Wow. I, I had always hoped that if I had an experience of that sort, that I could just try my sense of humor on them because I fancy myself as a guy with a pretty good sense of humor. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I just wonder what because I do actually believe in um ghosts and such. I believe that I could see something. And I, I wonder how that being would react if i just kind of made light of it and well i i don't know i, I don't think i'd be in a jokey mood to be honest with you. i don't think i'd be able to boo like you know uh hey a rabbi walked into a bar with a duck but, but that's not like what that, they're ex- you know? see they're not expecting that nobody ever in mortality probably does tell a joke well, so what if you did would it freak them out it's like it's like when you get attacked by a gang of people and you go after the biggest guy in the gang and it kind of scares everybody because it's so insane it's like what if i did that to a ghost and you're like you know, cracking. Let's know how that you, works out for you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then next <laughs> Keep time, us next posted time a ghost is, next time a ghost uh, is staring at you in your bedroom, um, <laughs> th- throw, throw him out a knock, knock joke and see what happens. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's just a theory. So I just wondered anyways, that's awesome. Thanks for the campfire tale. Wolfman, Josh, you've got some really good ones now. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Take your meds, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. All right. So, uh, there is a film that I have been wanting to hear about for a long time. I know uh, it sounds like, Josh, you've got to see at least some of it, but you've had a really hard interrupted schedule of late. And uh, Dave, I understand that you got to see We Are Still Here. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Well, uh, share with us. Let's hear your review of We Are Still Here. The, the realtor told you all about the Dagmars, huh? Yes, that was the family who first lived here, right? We heard it was a funeral parlor around the turn of the century. Oh. Don't say. Old Dagmar had been running the bodies and burying empty coffins. Some even said he was selling to the Orientals over in Boston, turning them into jumpsuits. Wasn't long after that that the... Uh, the trouble began. All right. We are still here, um, which was directed by, uh, is it Ted Geo Gagan? I, I can't, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his, uh, it was uh, his last name. He's actually the one, Jay, behind um, Bill Shetty's number one movie of 2009. He wrote the squ- script for Sweatshop. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, but anyway, we are still here. And that's a bumpy script. Pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this one, it stars Barbara Crampton, uh, and it's about, um, it's, it's set back in 1979 and this couple, this older couple are are moving, um, they've left the city and they're going to this, uh, this small house in in this new England town. And, uh, after they, after they arrive there, 
uh, Anne, the wife, played by Barbara Crampton, senses that there's a presence there with them, and she thinks it's the spirit of their son, Bobby. He was killed two months earlier in a car accident, one of the reasons why they left the city, you know, to sort of get away from that whole situation and try and start anew. Um, well, so what she does is she invites her uh, friend, May, who's a spiritualist, played by Lisa Marie, and her uh, husband, sort of a uh, uh, one toke over the line, sort of, a, you know, uh, Larry Fessenden. You know, he definitely uh, mm. definitely enjoys a little bit of the Maui Wowie. Um, and they come up <laughs> and they spend the weekend. They're going to spend the weekend there and they're going to try to get in touch with whoever, you know, with, with the spirit. Um, but it's not Bobby. What it is is this house had an original owner. Uh, they find this out when a neighbor comes visiting. Uh, very strange, very strange scene. You find out why it's a strange scene later on, where where this uh, where this uh, the McCabe's uh, show up. You know, they saw a light there, and they show up, and they say, "Oh, we didn't know anybody was here." And they tell the story of um, the funeral director Dagmar, who used to live there, uh, one of the original owners of the house, with his wife and daughter, and. Apparently, he had been um, selling the bodies. They found out about this, so they ran him out of town on a rail. He ended up dying um, sort of penniless and alone. And it's believed now that he um, comes every 30 years or so, he returns to the house, and he wants to claim the, the new family that's there. Mm. Okay. And, of course, the 30 years are just about up. Now, one of the things, now, it starts off very, and I'm saying starts off, I'm talking the first 10 minutes, all right? It's not long, okay. but it starts off very haunted house style movie. Bumps, balls rolling, you know, across the floor, things like that. Like what you would expect from a normal haunted house type of movie. So like a bowling now, alley. Uh, well, yeah, it's okay, <laughs> sure. <Sorry. laughs> However... One of the things that I did know going into this movie, and I knew it was not going to stay that way, is aside from this being a haunted house movie, it is an homage to the films of Lucio Fulci, in specific, specifically The House by the Cemetery, which was the third entry in his trilogy, you know, his sort of, um, uh, his sort of Gates of Hell trilogy that also was City of the Living Dead and the Beyond, right. okay? So, the movie gets pretty darn wild, okay? It is not what you would consider, it is not a typical haunted house movie. Um, There's a scene in the basement, and I'm not going to go too, too deep into this. I'm not going to go too deep into exactly what happens. Um, But there is, and this is early on in the movie, um, this guy comes out. What it is is that the basement is just always hot. There's there's just the heat. it's It's the middle of winter, and yet you sweat when you go down into this basement. So, they... They, they wanted the guy, someone to come out and look at the boiler, but before that happens, an electrician comes in. He's going to go down and work down there. Well, he has a run-in that is more than just seeing a shadow go across the floor, go across the wall. And later on, it gets even worse for some other characters, okay? <laughs> nice. This is a gory, gory movie. Is All it? Right? There, yes, it wow. is a gory movie. You don't always I, get that with haunting you, movies, no, supernatural not you, not stuff. With, not, not in Supernatural. It's not all, something you'd normally get. But being a Fulci movie, you know, and you don't get the normal eye trauma that Fulci used to give us. Mm-hmm. But there is a scene of eye trauma. Um, it is a good, 
it it's a good nod to the films of Fulci as well as being a good ghost movie. Oh, cool. That sounds great. I've heard very good things about this. It is thus far. You know, I talk about gravy, how much I would probably make my top 10 list. Yeah. Honestly, at this point in time, and I've not seen many 2015 movies, I'll throw that out there. I just don't get to see as many modern movies as I would like since, you know, I've been doing this, the, the blog. Um, right now, this would probably be top of my list. Wow. This wow. is this is my this is my favorite movie so far of 2015 that I've seen. Yeah, this is so this Holy was cow. this was yeah. on the that that really says a lot and and I tell you this was on Dino's shortlist. Dino said cuz you know we've been asking over on Movie Podcast Weekly what different films we need to see before mm-hmm. the end of the year and Dino named this one. He said it's definite you got to see it. So Oh yeah. I definitely put I put it up there and and like I said because you know, it, it's it's it it's going to start out as a typical sort of haunted house, and it, like I said, the setting in 1979 works. It works, and they even pull in the town. The town gets pulled into the story, um, in a way that you didn't, you weren't initially expecting. But it is just, it's a it's a very crazy ride. I'd say the last act is is insane. Oh, you know, but it works. And and the, the, the performances are good. Barbara Crampton does a great job as this grieving mother. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a really good combination of a supernatural movie and an, an 80s Italian horror film. Wow, that is not what I thought I was watching. So How much? How oh, no. far did you if get you into saw, it? Not it very far. First, I only saw the first like 20 minutes or so. Yeah. And that's probably, yeah, the first 20 minutes, it's it's a haunted house movie. You know, that that's kind of what you're getting. Um, but yes. but from like right from from the electrician on, you know, it's it's it gets it gets wild. Well, interesting. I guess I'll have to finish that one. I Yeah, I had a weird travel week this week. And so I, and I was with different people and not everyone likes horror movies or the same types of horror movies if they are willing mm-hmm. to watch. Them. And so I was I, I saw bits of three different movies in the last two weeks that I didn't finish this one. Deathgasm. And I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Oh, Lost River. So those are three that will be on my list for next time. But uh, okay. I'm, I'm way more interested in finishing this one than I was. Yeah, yeah, because it it does it does um, it really surprises you. It really surprises you. And and even the, I mean the parts that you saw, um, Josh, at the beginning, the way it's presented, it's it's very interesting. You know that that seclusion. Almost gives yep. you a, a sense of the shining in a way, you know, not the big hotel, would, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the, uh, in, in the middle, you know, they're secluded. It took two weeks before the nearest neighbor realized somebody moved in, Yeah, you know, because, and, and the winter landscape and everything. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't buying into the performances. I that was probably the thing I was having the hardest time with, but um yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to check it out. And yeah. So Dave the production what, values aren't super high, at least they don't seem to be in the part that I saw. So Okay. Really? They, maybe they get better as it goes. I thought so. I I thought um I thought they did. I thought, you know, especially the the couple. Um, you know, Barbara Crampton. And I mean, how far did you get? Did you get to see the, um, uh, what was the last thing you remember seeing? Did you see the, the McCabe show up and talk to them? Yeah. And that was very yeah. strange. And what it is, is that that was a very unusual scene, the way that those two were yeah. behaving. 
you know, but that is explained later on in the movie. All right. Well, I'm excited. I, you know, we're going to talk about another monster house later on the show. So <laughs> yeah. Another so, one to look at. Yeah. So, so what do you rate? We are still here. Dr. Shock. I, I probably, I'm going to give it a nine. A and nine I would ten. say, you know, get, I, if, if you like, if you like ghost movies and you like Italian uh, horror movies from the eighties, especially Lucio Fulci. Um, I think this is one that you will watch. I can see, I'm going to watch it again and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. So you tell people to buy it. Yep. All right. Yep, and, it's a buy. And how did you see this? Cause I see it's on Amazon, for example. I once again, and I, 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 I have a, um, uh, the Walmart up here. Mm-hmm. Actually, my son works there now. Uh, they have this one lone rack. And with the DVDs where they put a lot of independent movies and more than half of them are horror movies and they're selling them for like $9. Um, and I saw them and I saw this one and it, it appealed to me and, uh, you know, the cover, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm looking at my, I'm doing like the old video stores. I'm looking and seeing which ones have like the coolest covers. Um, sometimes it's worked for me. Sometimes it hasn't. Yeah. Uh, just like, just like the old days. Um, but this is one that definitely worked for me. I, I picked it up. It was a blind buy. It's got a great I knew poster. nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's very artistically done. Yes. And yes, that's, it is. that's why I was expecting it to be um, a, a pretty artful type of it, film it like Crimson Peak, for feel. example. It has that feel. You are going to get that feel. The part that you saw, Josh, I'm, I'm sure had that sort of yeah. house of the devil artistic feel to it. You know? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Nice. Um, but it, it does not stay that way. Well, thanks for reviewing it for us, Dr. Shock. And thanks mm-hmm. to Dino for, um, you know, encouraging me in that direction. I will get that watched before the end of the year. That's a big one on my list. So yep. appreciate it. Now, another one. Now this is every once in a while, I know that I'm an enigma on this podcast and drive people nuts, but I feel like, you remember how I felt like we needed to address at least mention Godzilla because he is a monster and so forth, right? Well, there was a kids movie that came out in October. It was Goosebumps, the Goosebumps movie starring Jack oh, yeah. Black. And I know that's not a horror film per se, but I just want to at least address to people because, believe it or not, we do have a lot of listeners who are trying to, I guess, um, introduce their kids into <laughs> like horror and well, this wasn't that what it was wasn't it a sort of a, a gear towards kids horror movie absolutely it... oh, well, okay yeah. i mean yeah so i mean saying, so Goosebumps it wasn't is based really... on a series of books by rl yeah. stein exactly right. yeah and right. they're a really terrible tv show um right I the tv that. show is horrible and i've been trying to watch it with my kids and i can't watch it anymore it's so bad but I, it was recommended to me a couple of our listeners were really into goosebumps um as children uh you know the books and the and the show and guys i'm sorry i cannot get into it i just maybe i was just the wrong generation for it but it, i don't i hate the writing and i hate the look of the show yeah. well it's bad i mean i'll yeah. just say it and, and sorry if i offend people but it's one of those Sal and david and a few other people were really into it well it's one of those things that where like yeah if you were brought up on it like for example my boy he's seven he loves it we read goosebumps books all the time actually and he's way into it. And he's into the TV show, too, because it's streaming on Netflix. On Netflix, yeah. 
if you can tolerate it, but it's bad. Now, I will say that this film right here, though, Josh, I mean, have you seen the feature film Goosebumps? No, because I hate CGI werewolves among for one reason. Oh, I'm so glad, I'm so before, glad you brought that up. And for another, because I've heard people compare it to the Monster Squad, so I was like, "Oh, that's cool! I love the Monster Squad." And then I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Don't you dare compare this to the Monster Squad!" I, I, I will get around <laughs> to seeing it eventually. I'm sure. Well, no, I, I here's the thing. I I actually I was very pleasantly surprised. This is. Way better, way better than the TV show. This is actually a very well done film. It's a nice little comedy fantasy type film. And yeah, it's like a a mild kids horror movie. And I use that very, very, you know, gently when I say horror because, yeah, it's not scary, but it's filled with monsters. It's got tons of the monsters. And if you were a fan of the books and you've read the books, they've incorporated a lot of them. Now, those monsters from the books, they probably they probably have like maybe, I don't know, eight to ten prevalent monsters that appeared in the books. And so you get to see them more on screen and they have like a role. And I, I'm not even going to name them right here, like list them off, because that's part of the joy of this if you are a Goosebumps fan. Because as you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, I read that one, I read that one, and you see the monsters. But you end up seeing between 30 to 50 monsters like in the background or in passing. Because but just from the trailer, um, the gnomes looked like the best part of the movie to me, based on the trailer. The werewolf, I really disliked the look of the werewolf. And the abominable snow. Those those are basically like two of my favorite monsters ever. Are the werewolf and an abominable snowman? And am I saying abominable right? I feel like I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm adding an extra syllable. Abominable yeah. snowman. You um, are. You are. <laughs> I am adding funny. an extra syllable. No, no, you were saying it correctly. Okay, good. that's true. <laughs> um, anyway, I just don't like the character design on those, and um, I don't know. I don't like. Oh wow. I don't like cartoony looking things. I feel like I'm watching Roger Rabbit. I don't. I know that I dream on CGI a lot. I don't care if it's computer created in a computer, as long as it looks. Um, what is the word? Organic. Like it can even be like you know the alien in the Aliens franchise. Yeah, it doesn't have to look like it's bound to Earth. It can be a totally new invention. But I don't want to feel like I'm watching Roger Rabbit. And that. And I feel like when I watch that werewolf in the trailers it feels like its body doesn't move correctly it feels like it moves like a looney tune character it feels like its head size shifts when it runs around corners wow see i i I can agree i mean i i think i can see what you're saying in the trailer because yeah he doesn't in the trailer the werewolf doesn't seem to have the weight that a real creature would of that size but i do want to say he was he actually ended up being my favorite monster in this film and um, I actually love, I, I quickly came to love him as one of my favorite depictions of a werewolf in cinema, even. Uh, I'm not saying my all-time favorite. I'm just saying he is up there among my favorite. And so I really dug him. So I think you should give it a chance. I know you will eventually, Josh, but um, I was very pleased. No, it's not scary. There is one, like, jump scare that's... um that might scare really small kids. Like it made my guy, it made him a little nervous, but then I laughed because I thought it was awesome. And then he was okay with it. But, but no, there are tons of uh, good monsters in here. I think it's fun. It's definitely fun for kids. Now I would put it kind of along the lines of monster house, except monster house is actually built 
like a true horror film. You mean Monster Squad? No, I'm talking about Monster House. Oh, Monster House. Okay. Yeah, which I'm obsessed with, and I I love that as a horror film. Like I think it. I'm just saying it. It's not scary, of course, but it is structured exactly like a horror film. In this one, not so much, but it's it's equally as. I mean, it's great um, quality and it's entertaining and so forth. So, anyways, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I do want to say this is a seven out of 10 to me when it was still in theaters, I was telling people to see it in the theater and I think it's a buy. We're going to buy it. We're going to own it for sure. So you think it would be a good, um, I don't know if it'd be a fair versus, but maybe that one with monster squad. Yeah. Sort of a compare and contrast later on down the road. Yeah. I mean, I see why people are saying that and, and I prefer monster squad over this. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big monster squad. Right. But yeah. So Josh, you're not going to, you're not going to let like this over monster squad. I don't think in a million years, but it's going to, it's going to have to go away for me too. A long way for me too. Right. Like monster squad is really pretty cool, but it, (laughs) but it's still, it's still fairly well done. And, you know, I appreciate it. I thought it was going to be way worse having seen the TV shows, which are awful, awful. <laughs> so, all right. All right. So uh, at this point, uh, let's move into our feature review of a little film called Stung. Did you see that? There are these massive wasps flying around here. You should be careful. Ow! They're like this. They're huge. Avoid everything here. It's, it's bad. Oh, poor baby. Do you want to take it away, Josh? Sure. Just from the IMDb description, a fancy garden party turns into upper-class prey when colony of killer wasps mutate into seven-foot-tall predators. And that happens. Um, (laughs) Yes, it does. I think we talked about posters. This was one that would really trick me if I was at the video store because this has one of the coolest posters ever. And uh, not the best movie ever. No, not at Unfortunately. all. Unfortunately, um, there were some interesting elements. I mean, it's a, it's your basic beastly freaks movie, but like almost like the giant bug movies era, you know, like sci-fi. Yes. Um, type uh-huh. films. It's a great cast. Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. is in it, and excellent. Uh, Lance Henriksen is in it, and excellent as always. Um, yeah, I love what? Clifton Collins Jr., by the way. He is such yeah. an underappreciated character actor. I just love him. I thought, um, is it Jennifer Cook that's the lead? Jessica Cook. Jessica, Jessica Cook. Cook. I thought she was excellent. And Matt O'Leary was good as well. I thought I actually uh-huh. really liked Matt O'Leary, but the some of the parts were less than the whole. Um, yeah, and not to be a creeper or anything, Yeah, but Jessica Cook is quite lovely. Creepy. Oh yeah, yeah. That opening scene where they're driving down the road and she's sitting there with her glasses, sort of uh, looking. You, you you knew just from there that he was gonna. Mm-hmm. He had a thing for her. Except she's a little yeah. bit snotty when I like was uh, on her oh, pillow yeah, the other day and she rolled over and <laughs> I was she was a little weird about it and I don't know why. She wasn't too big in Atlanta. <laughs> I like Matt O'Leary. He's um, the brain from the movie Brick, which is one of my favorite films. Um, the kid with the Rubik's cube and the, and the right, smart, right. smart kid, and he's also in uh, Fat Kid Rules the World, um, that Matthew Lillard directed, and I, I liked him from those performances. I thought he was great in this movie as well, but I just I don't know. This movie did not work for me at all, and I can't really say why, other than 
the threat, I didn't like. I mean, there's plenty gory, but I didn't love how the practical effects were done. Uh, the threat was not that interesting to me. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm with you. What did you think about it, uh, Dr. Shock? I think I definitely liked it more than you two did. Um, <laughs> Dr. Shock. Yeah, I... I <laughs> I'm a, I like these these big bug movies. I love the big bug movies from the from the fifties, like Them and Tarantula and all those sort of things. Um, and I kind of I, I what I, I and I really liked the the character of um, who was it? It was Paul. You know, you, you, at the beginning he's sort of this. Uh, I'm not going to say he's a fool, but he's you know he's sort of he's sort of he's a clown. As, uh, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's sort of a clown. And he turns out to be the only one who knows what to do. He's, he sort of takes over. Um, and I, I liked that, that arc of his character. I liked, the, I liked that they did that, that, that they took him um, that way, you know, to, to say that, hey, he's not just this, this imbecile, that he's actually <laughs> the bravest one in the room yeah. or the, the bravest one at the party. Um, and, and I like that. Um, but I, I enjoy these sort of big bug movies. I mean, there was one not too long ago, Infestation. I talked about that last year uh, in my 31 Days of Horror that I had, I had looked at last year. Mm-hmm. Um, big Ass Spider, I thought, was right. uh, w- was an interesting movie. I love um, that. I love that title. I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a fun movie, too. And you know what? This one didn't – I was assuming this was going to be a like Infestation and Big Ass Spider. It was going to be comedy <laughs> horror, and it was to a degree. But I think this one played it a little more, a little straighter than the other two. Really, I don't think there was. I, I there was comedy in it, but this one was not. It was. It didn't have the same level of comedy as those other two movies I just mentioned. Yeah, it's not like a, a sci-fi channel production. It kind of plays no. a little straighter, and right, it's right. it's yeah. almost like it takes itself seriously. I mean. You're in the you, the world that it's in. There What's are happening these. is so silly. You can't possibly take it seriously. Well, I don't think I don't know that there's been a single single a single big bug movie you could take seriously. Sure. I mean, you know, even them, which is excellent, and most of that is a lot of that has to do with the sound that that, that these things make when they show up. Um, you know, you turn the sound off, and it's 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 paper mache bugs coming at you. You know, I'm more I, thinking I, about like what happens with a certain hunchback and things like that. Oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I, it gets, it definitely gets, and maybe that was meant to be a little more comedic. Yes, I know what you're saying, and 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 yeah, okay, that that's that was pushing it for me too. I, I can't say I was a big fan of that whole thing with, with where they went with that character, and uh, you know that they. That they sort of made him a little bit different than the other ones. Right. I'll tell you what, um, if they had just been like softball sized, I would have been three hundred times more scared of them. Okay. I just yeah. think they they lose. I don't know. They don't, they're not they're not a credible scare to me at the size they were inside a home. <laughs> well, yeah, and let's talk about that because that that's an important distinction, I think. Because with this film, like, okay, they're like they initially the attackers are these pretty big like. What what would you say, dragonfly sized um, wasps of uh-huh. some sort? But once they sting a person, the person mutates into a giant wasp. Now, is it a mutate or is it a? I guess it is. I guess it is sort of a mutate. I was thinking more of like a like an alien. They kind of seed them, right? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they're sort of more 
um, you know, using them as as uh, incubators. Yeah, but they still, they, I still got the sense that the person is still genetically. It's almost like the yeah. fly, really, because yeah, I guess I guess so because you know, especially later in the movie. Uh, with with the scene with with the hunchback and and then the uh, the other yeah mm-hmm. I see what you're saying yeah. very fly it definitely riffs on the fly yeah it definitely mm-hmm. does now are you saying Josh that you would have preferred to have had the wasps just a softball size the entire film and you, they yeah. were okay that's interesting and maybe or maybe like one or two you know seedings or you know one giant one that was the queen kind of a situation but yeah I, like I, that. I don't know I just it's just I don't know. It, it was, a weird, it was a weird threat because they're inside a house most of the movie. Like if they had been outdoors most of the movie, that would be another thing that might be scary with giant wasps flying around. But I don't know. It was just kind of weird. The staging of the scares was kind of hard to do for them, it seemed like. Yeah, I agree. And it just wasn't that super scary to me. I will say that there were some scenes in the house where, you know, where they were near um, – they were. They, you could tell they were trying to, to sort of build the tension, and I do think it came up a little bit short. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically when they were crawling around, um, you know, trying to avoid the specific one in the house, and I didn't feel the tension that I think they were shooting for, right? Uh, in that scene, um, also, but, without spoilers, the end scene is so ridiculous, yeah, it goes yeah. way over. I mean, this is just so people have a real sense of this. if. I think it's in the same spirit of uh, Zombievers, really. It, it reminds me of Really? That. I don't know if it's that, quite that ridiculous. That's a, Zombievers is a little more comedic, and this plays this takes itself a little more seriously. It's almost like the characters in Zombievers know they're fighting a hilarious monster, right? But, right. but in this one, they're, they're actually kind of scared and threatened by it. But, but it does have that same tone to me, which is just... And and the and the production value of the monsters is better in this, but but may but at times is equally as silly, equally silly. Right, uh-huh. right. And I tell you what, my biggest, I mean, obviously this premise strains uh, credulity a little bit, but but I will say what I had the most trouble with is when when they were attacking in in the initial opening of the garden party, and they were the dragonfly size. They would have been so fast and so lethal, and I felt like people were still getting away and fending them off, and the the wasps, it was just kind of unrealistic how um, the people weren't getting stung as much as you would think, because they, they would have been sitting ducks in that situation, and it kind of bugs me. I, don't, I know that's nitpicky, but... No, I, I hear you. It kind of bugs uh-huh. me with the premise, but... You get swarmed. Yeah, but, but yeah, I, I, I mean, the actors... It, I feel like Lance Henriksen is a little um, underused. Maybe. Do you guys think that? Do you do you feel like? I don't know. I I don't know. I think he was. Uh, I mean, for being Lance Henriksen, maybe. When you take into effect, take into account that it's Lance Henriksen. Yeah, I mean, if you I get him in your movie, coming from yeah, is he going to be I a supporting still, character in your I movie? Still like that character. I and it was a fun role for him because yeah. it's so unlike what he usually does. Yeah. Right. It was a nice. It was nice to see him just get to be an actor and not have to be a heavy in the movie, you know. Right, right. But I like what he usually does, and that's I why I, I just think people oh, yeah. should know that. Like this isn't like Pumpkinhead or something where he's no, really no, no. front and center. No. Right. But he's not. But he's not even listed in the top three cast members anyway. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a pleasant surprise to realize, oh, wait, is that Lance Henriksen? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was, I had the same thing with Clifton Collins Jr. I was like, oh, that's you. There you are. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, let's... Um. So if you guys don't have anything else to say about this one, let's kind of start wrapping up with our final thoughts and our rating. Josh, what do you got to say about Stung? I'm terrible, but it is a goofy movie. And if you're in the mood, if you're like Dave and you like a little bit of a schlock, which I do, I don't, I don't dislike schlock necessarily. If you like, especially the big bug sci-fi type of movies, I could understand why you might like this one, but it's not a great movie in my opinion. Um, it is elevated by the cast. There's a little bit of clever writing in terms of the dialogue. Um, and the performances are good, but I don't think the, the threat is, a thing. I don't think it, I don't think it registers for me. And so, um, I, I would have to give this one a 4.5 and I would say it's a stream. It if you, if you like that sort of thing, maybe a little priority stream, it's, it is streaming for a subscription on Netflix. If you have Netflix, it costs you nothing but your time. So you could check it out and not feel too bad about yourself. Which leads me to a real quick question. I see that currently on Amazon, it is right now twelve ninety nine. What the? Well, that's probably Whoa. to purchase, I would guess. But I'm yeah. just like, well, what, this is insane. But anyways, what about you, Doctor Shock? What are your thoughts on this? So, so, um, okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I like, I am a fan of of the uh, the big bug movies from the from the fifties, which are not particularly other than them. I think them is is a creepy movie even today. But a lot of them, like Tarantula, The Deadly Mantis, things like that. Um, you know, the, it's not necessarily the, the scare as much as I just, I just like the, I don't know, I kind, I, I, I like that that idea of, of like these these huge bugs, um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, taking over. Um, the cast is excellent. Uh, I will agree that it's not going to be the the most frightening movie that you that you're going to see. Uh, and some of the scenes come up a bit short in, in the tension where you could tell that's what they were shooting for. And yes, it is silly. Um, but I don't usually go into big bug movies thinking, look, you know, right. thinking they're not going to be a little but, bit. Silly. But that poster, the poster looks like it's going to be terrible. It does. Oh, yeah. The poster mm -hmm. is, is pretty in, is pretty intense. Um, I'm going to give it I'm going to actually say I'm going to give it a six point five. I'm going to say it's a <laughs> rental. I would say, if, you know, it's it's worth it's worth checking out. You know, it's not one to buy, but it's it's worth seeing. And if you do want to rent it, not only is it on Netflix, but I did check it's a it's a three ninety nine digital rental on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. That's more doable than the twelve ninety nine at Amazon. I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. And I would even say check it, maybe do like a a, a double feature with this and Infestation. Mm, that's good because I think that would be um you know, and I think Infestation is probably is the better of the two. Um, but yeah, I had fun with it. Well, okay. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I did a, a review of this, a very short, small review on movie podcast weekly. It should have even been a feature review, but I'm like, nah, screw it. I'm not doing a feature review of this, even though it's a 2015 film. Um, I honestly, I don't even remember or have noted anywhere what I rated it, but I'm pretty sure it was about a four for me. And I say avoid stung. The only reason I think to see this, honestly, um, for the those who are, uh, I guess, <laughs> appreciate 
lovely actresses is uh, Jessica Cook. I, I love watching her in this. Uh, she's adorable and like, you know, you kind of get behind her character. And um, I'm also a big fan of Clifton Collins Jr. So I guess if you wanted to support Clifton and Lance, then yeah, you could see it. But otherwise, as far as quality, it's a four. It's an avoid. So Josh says 4.5 low priority stream it. Doc says 6.5 rental. And I say four avoid. Okay. I feel like we covered that a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think so. Okay, Dave. Why don't you take us into your review of Last Shift from 2014? Okay, Last Shift. Um, it's 2014, but this movie really did sort of hit the scene this year. Uh, it was just released on DVD uh, in October. Um, this is another one I found up at the Walmart. Yeah. It was a blind buy. I've been curious um, about that poster art, Dave. I'm glad you're covering this because I see that poster everywhere for this thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's um, – what okay, what, what the movie is, it is a – if you took John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 and took out the gang members and replaced them with um, the spirits of a Charles Manson-like cult, hmm. that is what you get with Last Shift. Wow. Uh, That's right, something – yeah, it, it and it, it it is. What happens is this this officer uh, Jessica Jessica Lawrence, her name, uh, played by uh, Juliana Harkavy, I believe is uh, how you pronounce her name. Um, she's uh, it's her first day. She's a rookie. It's her first assignment, and she's going to stand guard overnight at this soon to be abandoned precinct. I mean, it is abandoned. There's nobody in there. Um, everything's been moved out, uh, with the ex- exception of some evidence that's still in the back. Um, but she's going to be by herself and just watching over this building. Uh, and what she does is, you know, she's just, it's just sort of a regular day. All of the, all of the 911 calls have been rerouted to the new precinct down the road. The reason she's there is because there's somebody who's going to be coming at some point in the night, a group is going to be coming to collect this evidence. Uh, some of which is, I guess, has hazardous material going to be coming to collect this evidence and take it away. And someone has to be there, you know, to let them in. Um, uh, she's going to be there till 4 a.m. At which point her sergeant is going to show up. Um, you know, this guy, Sergeant Cohen, he has a very interesting scene when we first meet him, uh, when she, when she first arrives. Uh, well, anyway, she is actually the daughter of a career policeman and uh, her father was killed in the line of duty. As a matter of fact, he was killed a year earlier going up against this cult. Um, there was this cult known as the Paymans, um, and it was led by Michael Payman, and he had all of these women who were his followers. They had abducted other women and had killed them. Well, um, her father was one of two officers killed when they uh, approached, you know, when, when they arrived on the scene, um, when they had gotten a 911 call from that location and had arrived on the scene. Well, what had happened was they were actually brought to this precinct a year earlier, and Michael Payman and two of his followers. And they hung themselves in their cell. They killed themselves in the cell. And that was exactly mm. one year ago. It was so what Freddy Krueger that did it. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> so what happens is um, as she's making her rounds, as she's checking things out, she starts to, you know, some very strange things start to happen. Some uh, apparitions start to appear. And it's pretty it's it's evident that someone or something is sort of laying claim to this building 
Um, and what your wonder is, is she going to make it through the night? Um, it does work. Now, again, if this is one, it's not going to blow you away as far as the, um, the supernatural elements of it. Okay. It starts off slow. It builds as it goes on. One of the strengths of the movie is the setting, you know, that this abandoned and it was shot in an actual abandoned precinct in Florida. Because each noise takes her deeper into the building. She's sitting out by the front, you know, by, by the window, and each noise takes her deeper in there. There's also um, this vagrant who shows up. And actually, the, she opens the door and he comes walking in. Like, she had heard something outside. She opens up and this vagrant walks in. And the first thing he does is he takes a leak on the floor. So now she's got to clean that up. She throws him out. She's got to clean that up. Well, she finds out he gets into the building, you know, later on. She throws him into one of the cells turns out it was the cell that the payments were in. And from there it's sort of, you know, it's game on. Um, the, 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 if you like supernatural movies, there are scenes in this that are creepy. I'm thinking especially of, Oh, uh, what was that? Oh boy. It was a remake of a, of a Japanese. It was a remake of the tale of two sisters that came out. Um, not too long ago, Jay, we had reviewed it oh. on, um, the uninvited, right? Uninvited. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. The uninvited. There are scenes in this that match that. Okay. As far as creepy, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with the, the spirits that show up. Nice. Okay. Um, and the, the, the lead actress does a very good job. She's sort of carrying this movie on her own. Okay. And she does a very good job. She goes back and forth between, I've got to do this. I'm, I'm a cop. I've got to stay here to get me the hell out of here. Right. Get me, get this door open so I can get the hell out of here. And she does a good job with both of those, you know, with, 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 with I guess, both ends of the spectrum. Um, and it is creepy. Again, I don't think it's going to, it's not going to, it's not going to say you, it, it's nothing groundbreaking. Okay. But if you're in the mood for, for, for a spooky, sort of ghost film this does fit the bill and there are scenes in it that you're kind of like Ooh, you know and a lot of them do revolve around payman and his followers okay. it has a twist at the end that i still don't know if i completely buy into it but i didn't see it coming i'll give it that i did not see it coming um i would probably give this one i'd probably give it uh, i'm thinking 6.5 but you know what i'll go up to a seven I'll give it a seven and I'll say to rent it. Okay. Um, I, I do think it'll, it, it does have scenes that'll get under your skin. Just don't go in expecting that it's going to be like, it's going to be different from a lot from other, so other supernatural movies of the last five years or so. I got you. That's too bad. I had a promise. Oh yeah. And it's worth seeing. No, I would definitely recommend it. I it's, it's worth checking out. Um, and I'd be interested actually to see what, what, you guys thought of it as well. Um, but like I said, it's, it's not, it's, it's good. It's well-made and it is, it is scary. There are times when it is scary and there are things that happen in it. There's even a scene in it. Um, and I'm not going to say exactly what it is that reminded me of a similar scene in the sixth sense. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. The, the premise is great. I mean, I, that cut, that got my attention. The setting is great because every time something happens, she goes deeper and deeper into this building. Yeah. You know, she's at the exit where she could get out quick. And every time she hears a noise, she goes deeper and deeper in. And something always, you know, something happens. Something builds <laughs> and builds. 
um, uh, as as it goes on. So it 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 is it will scare. There are scenes that will scare you. Um, it's well acted. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say I'm going to go with a seven, and I'd say it's it's a rental. Okay. All right, and that is Doctor Shock's review of Last Shift from 2014. Thanks for covering that for us. All right, and here's one. We're going to move into a feature review of a film that has been hotly anticipated. It was long awaited. I mean, we were actually covering uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So, you know, we're a few weeks later on this than we usually like to be. But let's talk about Crimson Peak. Ghosts are real. That much I know. I've seen them all my life. Now, Josh, here's where I, where I want to yeah. start out with this. Now, I just want to say, I think there needs to be some way to punish <laughs> a film for false marketing. I know that the marketing company is hired... And they try to promote it like one thing, and we've thought about this before, and I'm not saying that the film itself should really be penalized. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the people who want to make bank on a film, if they shop it around a certain way, and it's not that, that I think there needs to be repercussions. It makes me mad. Well, I don't know what you're referring to with this film. I apparently didn't see the same marketing you did, but... I didn't think that this, I felt that this did live up to the promise of everything I was expecting and more. Okay. Cause um, my understanding was that this was going to be like a, a horror movie. <laughs> you don't think this is a horror movie? Uh, well, it's a, in the very loosest sense. And I've had people on the movie podcast weekly message boards tell me otherwise that they think it's a horror movie as well. But uh, classically horror movie. It has some elements, for sure. <laughs> I hate saying elements now, uh, since people gripe about it. Okay, well, let, let's go into it, let, and then we'll talk about these these gripes along the way. This is a Guillermo del Toro film. He he wrote he co-wrote it with Matthew Robbins, and he directed it. And it it was released on October sixteenth of twenty fifteen. And the first thing I just want to say about this is just incredibly beautiful right this is one of the prettiest films i have ever seen like in my life i mean it's gorgeous yeah. that's del toro del toro is, is is great at that you know to, yes he, he may he makes his movies are are beautiful regardless of what the subject matter is hellboy 2 is one of the beautiful. prettiest movies i've ever seen too and you wouldn't think that based on the time right uh, yeah hellboy 2 yeah i i, yeah, agree. I absolutely it is but i i still think that even Crimson Peak, though, I think he's even outdone himself because, like, hmm. like Pan I'm not sure this surpasses Pan's Labyrinth for me. In fact, I would right. say it doesn't. Wow. Well, I mean, as far as the imaginative imagery, like the monster-related type Im imagery or the other type of beings or creatures in Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. no. But as far as, like, the set design, I, I said on the other podcast that um, if you are studying to be, like, a production designer or, you know, 
anything in costumes or anything like that, I think this film is a, is a must own. You should study it like a like a book. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it's a ma- it's a masterclass in one in one sense. On the other hand, you'll never get a chance to make a movie on this budget or scale ever if you're a production <laughs> designer. So maybe study something more like Clerks and see how you can. Uh, pull that up because the you know in fact this is a bit of trivia but del toro wrote this back in 2006 and uh they wanted to make it in a practical location he said i'm not going to direct it unless i can build the house he said i'll produce it but if i'm going to direct this movie i want to build it and they built everything every single prop every single element in the house was built for that house yeah it's crazy and you can tell i mean it's a completely unique environment you've never seen before in cinema, um, you know, not that it's spectacularly imaginative necessarily, but it's just unique. It's just oh, yeah. beautiful and it's so detailed and so intricate and just incredible. Yeah, it's one of those films that if you wanted to do this with your friends, if you, you know, if you have time for this or you, <laughs> like, like if you've ever wanted to do those where you freeze, uh, you know, a film and do shot by shot and look at the different frames and. Uh, the mise-en-scene in this, like the way that the way, everything that's in the shot and in the background, this would be the film to do that with. So I, I cannot praise its artistic merit enough. Yeah, as absolutely. far as that goes. But if you think about it, so a film like Hotel, is it Hotel Chevalier? No, it was the other one that he did. Um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting derailed. The Wes Anderson levels of detail, and I would say even further because oh, he yeah. actually built everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, were you talking about um, the Grand Budapest Hotel? Yes, just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, uh, I could definitely see that. But, but the colors are so rich in this. I mean, this was gorgeous to see this on the the big screen. So, yeah, this is this is like definitely the kind of like a, a Blu-ray demo type of film. Like you want to show off your your Blu-ray. But if uh, there's any chance you can still see this in theaters, I know it is still playing some places. I think this is one you have to see on the big screen. I mean, it's just a visual feast just for the, just for the look of it. I would agree with that too. I would say see it in the theaters. Now let's get down to genre classification here though, because um, this does, you know, as we are led to believe in the trailers, this is a, a supernatural film, but honestly, Josh, this is, I mean, some people say, okay, this is a ghost movie. It's like, no, it's a movie. With some ghosts in it. Yeah, they make like cameo yeah, appearances. Yeah, I mean, they tell you that in the film, right? I mean, they kind of say... She says that, yes. Yeah, almost exactly, right? It's yeah. It's a story with ghosts in it. And they and they also say, you know, they have a great little line where they're like, yeah, I don't mind the romance. And I didn't mind the romance either. I mean, yeah, this is largely kind of, a, I don't know if Victorian is the correct era, but it's... Uh, I think it is. It's a it's it's a it's a period romance and it's really good. I mean, really good. And I and I think it's also terrifying. So I think um, maybe it's not paranormal all the time, but it's scary. And and I I think the way Jessica Chastain's character works in this film scarier than a ghost, in my opinion. So yeah, like she's amazing. If you're a Jessica Chastain fan, this is definitely something you got to see because yeah, I love her performance in this. Um, it also stars Tom Hiddleston, who is incredible as always, and uh, Mia Wasikowska. Now, here's the thing about it, though. To me, Josh, it, it's like a, a, a crime film slash drama slash a touch 
a sprinkle of supernatural. <laughs> and that, but I'm just, I'm, I mean, I love dark films. I love crime films. So on that level, I love it. But I was just expecting a freaking scary, like horror, like ghost movie. And it wasn't that. And, and I know that, you know, you can't. I think it fits. I think it fits into the director's oeuvre, though. I think if you're familiar with Guillermo del Toro, if you've seen um, maybe not Mimic, maybe Mimic's a little more of a horror movie than than the others. But if you've seen uh, his his earlier work, whether it's Pan's Labyrinth or I'm blanking on the vampire movie right now for some reason, Kronos. Kronos. Yeah, like this. This is more horror than Kronos, for instance, um, in terms of just visceral horror there. And, you know, and I think thematically it's very scary. I don't know. I, I, I don't care. I actually don't care about the genre classification thing. I think this is a classic Gothic tale. And it's, and I think that to me implies that it's root a horror story. Yeah. So, well, I'd agree with the definitely classic Gothic, the Gothic tale. I, I like what you said there. I think that's true. I just want people to have the right expectation going in. And I just think that that's kind of um, a disservice to a film if, you know, they're setting you up one way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, we were talking, um, I actually wasn't even on the show, on the sci-fi podcast, um, they had Andrew WK on to review uh, the Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, um, which was a lot of fun. But It was only a matter of time before that happened. Somehow they got to talking about the Babadook, and um, Andrew WK was not a huge fan of the Babadook. Um, he, he enjoyed it, but his complaint with, with it was that it veered away from staying strictly paranormal, and he felt that that released some of the tension and paranoia created by a definite paranormal presence. And what I like about this movie is that, although you could say it's not a ghost movie, it does not let you off the hook in terms of the paranormal presence. This is not just a figment of someone's imagination. This is a ghost story. Like there are ghosts in the movie and they're freaking scary looking ghosts and they have play a real dramatic role in um, all of the characters lives. And they, and so I think that's really exciting about the film. It works in that way. Yes. But yes, I, I agree with everything you said, except you are um, famous, I think, for being a, kind of hard on CGI stuff. And, and I think yeah. that even though this, the ghosts are freaking creepy looking, they are extremely CGI heavy. I mean, it's just. Now, I was told they were all practical. Clear. And I don't know <laughs> no, where, the line, where the line is drawn. I would, I would agree with you. What? Me, when I saw them, when I saw them, I thought, oh, like, that's a shame. When you have Guillermo del Toro, the best part of Pan's Labyrinth is there's a guy in a monster suit. Um, apparently, that same actor, whose name is... Doug Jones. Uh, yeah, it, it's escaping me. Doug Jones, exactly. Also plays, portrays the, the ghost in this movie, as well as another guy. And um, apparently, most of the visual effects in this movie were done in camera. Now, I think this might be a case of... You know, I was complaining about uh, the bad CGI in the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and everyone's like, you idiot, that's not CGI. They shot that practically. And I just said, well, it looked hokey to me, however they shot it. And it looked fake, and that's weird that it was practical and it still looked fake. I would say this kind of verges on that in this film. Yeah. But according to the trivia that I read, and I don't know how legitimate that is, I read it at Collider.com. Okay. They're usually reputable. 
Yeah, this was in-camera effects. And and so much so that, like I mentioned, they built everything in this house. It was actual three-story building. Like, they built a three-story house and the, with a working elevator. Everyone was trying to get him to do the elevator and CGI. He said, no, I want a real working elevator. And they shot these effects. <laughs> um, and it looks like it was done in a, like a water tank situation and then maybe superimposed. And I don't know how they did it. I would say the ghosts look actually scary when they're on screen. The downside are whatever digital enhancements there seem to be. And I agree. They seem to be bad CGI occasionally. Yeah. Which is so shocking for a del Toro film, right? I mean, you, you don't count on that and yeah. it's not like it's horrible cause it's, it's sufficiently freaky. It kind of reminds me um, it's better than the monster and mama, you know, mama, it's better than Mama looked, but but it still has a Mama type feel to it for me. Where it's like, um, yeah, it looks a little bit, you know, it sticks out a little bit, but still, yeah. With, I'm with you. So uh, there is, um, and we can't go into it. Okay, I guess we can only speak about it broadly, but there is a tremendous <laughs> kill scene in this that that's like, you know, I think for like if somebody's looking for like like true uh genuine like or hardcore like gory horror it's pretty strong and i think that's pretty You're talking effective. about the very very end no actually i'm uh, not i'm talking about like about midway through there's a there's an attack that happens in a in a death that's pretty shocking and um you know it's i can't of, even think of what you're talking about right now <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a hint i'll say say sink Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty full on. And I was like, wow. Okay. The, the- Richard Dutcher did that exact same thing in uh, Evil Angel, that movie I worked on with him. And so it was like, oh, that's exactly out of Dutcher's movie. That's so weird. It oh. is brutal. But I think the there's a knife related scene toward the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was the one of the most troubling things I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, that is gory and and horror and crazy. And it's tragic. That's the other thing that's amazing about the deaths in these movies <laughs> is they'll have tragedy laced, you know, really great writing. Yeah. Yeah. Supporting them. I'm with you because a lot of times when you see a death in a horror film, it's like, oh, well, you know, next, who's next, you know, but in here, there's like some, some real emotional weight tied to the deaths and you're like, oh, you know, it it is tragic. That's the perfect word. Well said. I was scared by the ghosts. I, I wanted more than I got out of it with the scares. I wanted more than I got out of it with the gore, but the, I felt like what was there was strong and the movie is just as a piece is one of the better movies I've ever seen. Like, it's just so fascinating to me. Um, Jessica Chastain, we talked about, she was initially approached to play Edith, uh, the main character. And they sent her the screenplay and she said, no, I want to, I want to play this other character, (laughs) which I thought was so great that um, that was her choice. And yeah, because she's so good in it. And apparently um, Benedict Cumberbatch was initially supposed to be in the, Tom Hiddleston role and Emma Stone was supposed to be in the Mia Wasikowska role, but they dropped out at some point for some reason and they were immediately recast with his Del Toro second choices, which I thought both of them were perfect. Yeah, they are perfect. And I'm glad they didn't go with Emma Stone. Sorry, Carl and Andy, but, <laughs> but yes. And, and um, 
Did you? So I will say I do think that this film is a little bit predictable, though. I was I was pretty certain of all the places that it ended up going, and even like when they try to have some shock value, I'm like, yeah, I saw that like pretty early on. You know, did you find it predictable? I mean, I was not necessarily surprised. I mean, I, I wasn't positive where it was going, but I was also not surprised where it went. You know, like, oh, yeah, I could have told I could have guessed that it would have been in my top two to three guesses, you know. OK. <laughs> um, in terms of plot twists and turns. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just thought the craft was at such a high level that it that made it really enjoyable for me. OK, well, um, so if there's nothing else you want to talk about, let's um, wrap up with final thoughts and ratings. Do you want me to go first since you're probably going to be higher on this? Sure, go for it. Okay. Um, this is just a phenomenal filmmaking. It is beautiful. It's gorgeous. And the story is very good. I mean, especially for like a, a crime film where like criminal awful acts happen in the movie. It, it's just you can't beat it on that level. I mean, it's disturbing. It's troubling. Wonderful. So like I said, crime, drama, a little bit of some horror here and there so just so you know what you're expecting as long as you're getting into it with that open mind and you know like okay this is going to be more of a drama than anything else then then i think you're going to love this so i mean but for me uh see and that having said all that i mean there's so much to appreciate i told people to see it in the theater and i called it a rental and i give it a seven out of ten and, you know, having thought about it more, I, I do feel like, I feel kind of bad about that. I feel like it is a little bit low. But when I, when I originally rated it, Josh, I was just kind of fired up that um, it was it was one of the most, <laughs> at least for me, it was one of the most anticipated, most hopeful horror films of the year. And I'm like, man, where where was that? So I was a little disappointed. So it's a seven to me, seeing a theater, rent it, but it's gorgeous. What do you say, Josh? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest disappointment for me was actually there's a, a Sherlock Holmes element that's introduced, and I wish that that had gone further because that would have also appealed to my tastes quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there, one thing we haven't talked about is just the technology in the film and how awesome it is. And like the film is just filled to the brim with the technology of that era. It's all about the future and like there's kind of like this steampunk kind of vibe to everything, but they're using actual. They talk about photography and wax cylinders for sound recordings and all these things that were kind of existed at the time in a really interesting, fascinating way. I just appreciated, again, that level of detail. It's clear that Guillermo del Toro is way smarter than most filmmakers, <laughs> and yeah. and I, he just brings so much depth to what he's doing. Um, it would be very easy, I think, to just kind of step back and look at this as a surface level film and be like, yeah, it was okay. But I think it's a film that if you watch it over and over again, you'll appreciate more and more. And I could just tell that watching it the first time, like there's so much here. And so I plan on watching it over and over again. I would say again, tell people see this in the theaters. If you can buy this on Blu-ray, I'm going to give this a nine and uh, I'm, it's going to be a contender on my end of the year list for sure. Well done. Now, is that just your horror end of the year list, or is this like all of the movies you've seen end of the year? I think this. I think this will creep on my top ten of all around as well. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know yet, but I'm excited. Okay. All right. Well, the nine out of ten just to see it in the theater if you can still find it and buy it. Okay. 
All right, thank you very much. And now I'm excited to get to Dave's review of Containment. All right. Um, this is a two, 2015 movie. Uh, and it is set in a in an apartment complex in England. Um, the the uh, meet this character Mark. He's a struggling artist. His wife and has actually left him, um, and he's living in this apartment by himself. Well, he wakes one morning. He's got to get down. You know, he's, he has a meeting with his wife with the lawyers, um, but he finds that his apartment has been sealed shut. What it is, is it's been sealed with this sort of, um, uh, I guess, an adhesive from the outside. So he can't get out. Uh, it turns out he's not the only one. It seems everybody in this complex has been sealed in their apartment. Or, and, and he looks out the window, the complex directly across the way, everybody has been sealed in there as well. Um, his neighbor, uh, he has his neighbor, uh, Niku. Um, breaks through Mark's wall, puts a hole in Mark's wall. Um, it's it's actually kind of a funny scene. He breaks through. You know, what he's doing is he's, uh, Nico's sort of thinking maybe strength in numbers would be better. So he breaks through Mark's wall so that he can get in into into there. Maybe they can get out that way. And it, it's just a funny scene because Mark looks at him and he goes, oh, you, you broke a hole in my wall. And Nico is sort of this sort of gruff character looks at him and he goes, you're welcome. Um <laughs> But he breaks through a few more walls, including um, the other on the other side of, of Mark is uh, this is uh, his elderly neighbor Enid, and um, then on the other side of of Niku and his brother is a young couple, uh, Aiden and Sally. Um, Aiden is actually played by uh, William Postlewaite, uh, uh, Postlethwaite, who was the uh, son of uh, Pete Postlewaite, who's actually a very for me a very underrated uh, actor. Um, yeah. He was in what was I know he was in the Lost World. Just yeah, so yeah, sort of a reference. He was in the Lost World and in Alien Three. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, he he's always the um, uh, he played uh, the father Giuseppe in uh, in the name of the father to Daniel Day Lewis's character. Uh, you know the story about Jerry Conlon and the uh, Guilford Four. Anyway, um, this group they get together and they're looking out the window and and it, it, what happens is it it sort of escalates because. Uh, all these people in in these orange hazmat suits come rolling up, and they, they set up a tent in between these two buildings. So clearly, something is going on, and all of a sudden, the um, the uh, intercom system in Mark's apartment starts playing a message, saying, "Sit tight, you know, information will we'll let you know what's going on soon, but sit tight, stay calm, uh, that sort of thing." Um, well, that what when they realize that something really, really, I mean, obviously that they're in, the, this is a bad situation, but they start bringing people out from across the way in the building across the way. And a couple of them make a break for it. Well, they've positioned snipered snipers on the roofs and they shoot them dead. Like they don't want anybody leaving this complex. So it starts out as this sort of intriguing mystery as to, you know, what's going on? Why, why are they being quarantined? What exactly are they afraid of? You know, you're obviously you're thinking it's, it's, it's viral, but you don't know what, you don't know anything about it. Well, later in the movie, the main characters get some information. I'm not going to go too deep into how they get it. Well, because now they have the information and the rest of the people in the complex don't. 
they now become the hunted. They're now running for their lives and they're trying to stay away from this sort of mob mentality. So it's a very interesting movie in that it, it, it does take a look at, um, you know, people, how they react, people's reaction in this sort of situation. Um, and that towards the end is actually just as frightening as being in this situation. Um, you know, when, when they're, when they're trying to fend off this, this angry mob, um, the performances again, as you know, we've said some of the other movies today, the performances are, are, are good and it is a very intriguing film. You know, it really does sort of keep you on the edge with, you know, what's going on and, 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 you know, and, and what's going to happen, how are they going to get out of this? Um, it's, it's like, I wouldn't, it's, you could tell it's not a, a, it wasn't a big budget production, but I think they were able to make the best with what they had. Um, it was in, the director was Neil McInerney, McInerney West is his name. It's hyphenated there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, I think that it's, it's, it's very intriguing. It, it, it will, it, it, it you're going to want to see how it, how it plays out, you know? Um, and I'd say probably I'd give it probably a six. I'd give it a six point five, and I'd say it's worth a rental. Okay, yeah, it sounds really intriguing. I see on the on IMDb, it's hilarious. It looks like there's a clone of the director because it says directors Neil McInerney West, comma yeah, Neil McInerney West. About. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> so I, I saw that myself. He directed it with himself, I guess. So um, yeah, and, and there are also two. <laughs> For the writers, you got two David Lemons on there as well. So um, uh, that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like two Actually, people, the, the production company listed the IMDb and didn't tell the other one they did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. And, and and actually, for me, the best performance is um, uh, Sheila Reed. She plays Enid, the the elderly neighbor. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really good in this movie. Excellent. Um, but yeah, it, it's... I, I enjoyed it, and again, this is this is another blind buy. I had gotten this one actually back in September nice. when I first found that section. This is one of the first ones I, I picked up, and it's not. I didn't get. They weren't all winners. Some of the ones that um I, I covered on the Thirty One Days of Horror, um like Haunting at the Rectory and Eaters, mm-hmm. um were disappointments. Those were the uh, those were sort of blind buys from this Walmart as well. Uh, so they haven't all been great. But um, I did find some uh, some hidden gems in there as well. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for reviewing Containment. Doc says it's a 6.5 and he calls it a rental. And now I'm excited to hear Josh's review of The Final Girls. <laughs> Camp Bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films. Max's mom plays Nancy, this shy girl next door. Nice legs, what time they open. It's cool you get to remember your mom this way. At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death, even if she is being chased by a psycho. Yeah, man, the final girls. This movie is so much better than it should be. Because, you know, we talked about this a lot during our Scream franchise review there's like this line between doing what Wes Craven and Kevin Williams did to a scream and then what the scary movie movies did and it it's a line that's easy to fall over on one side or the other if you're not being very careful 
Mm-hmm. And this movie rides it a lot closer to the scary movie line, but somehow pulls it off. Like it's this is no scream in terms of the sophistication. It's a to, it's totally a comedy. It's very parody like parodic. Is that a word? I believe it's so. Par- parody esque <laughs> in its in its creation. It's it looks like an eighties throwback slasher. It's bright colors. And just over-the-top characters, and yet it works perfectly somehow. I mean, it's 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 oh. shocking to me that it works perfectly, especially considering the lineage of this. This is from the director who brought us such classics as <laughs> a very Harold and Kumar Christmas 3D. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. Um, he, he gave us things like, uh, what was the other one I saw that was just awful? Um <laughs> Okay, I'm not seeing it on here. I'm, uh, zombies and cheerleaders. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is not this is not as bad as that would lead you to believe. And <laughs> it's got a really excellent cast. The the young cast. Um, I don't. Tasia Farmiga is your lead. She's really good. Malin Ackerman is kind of a co lead in this. Is uh, Tasia Vera's little sister? I don't know. That's a good question. I bet you they're related. They look like very much alike. Yeah, she's the younger sister of Vera. Okay, I got you. Really good. She's great in it. And basically what you have happen here is Tasia, she's playing a character called Max Cartwright. Um, Yeah, Max. It's a boy's name. It's a girl. Um, So she (laughs) is the daughter of, of a woman played by Malin Ackerman who had been this big 80s slasher icon. And then her career kind of nosedives after that. So it's a great setup. Like she's, it shows them in present day and she's basically going to these auditions and she says, you know, I did all this other acting work and all everyone ever remembers me for is this stupid slasher I did back in the eighties. Like it's my, you know, and, and it, you know, it's the bait of my existence as an actress basically. <laughs> and then very soon into the movie, this is, a spoiler technically, but it's literally, this is in the first three to five minutes of the movie okay. and the rest of the premise is based on it. They're in a terrible car wreck and Malin Ackerman's character dies. And so uh, we skipped like a year later and it's the anniversary of her death and they're doing a screening of this crappy 80s slasher movie that she was the star of. And they want her daughter to come and appear at the Q and a after the screening. And she's hesitant to go, but the guy promises her that he'll help her with her homework, blah, 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 if she shows up. So she does. There's a fire in the movie theater, and somehow, by some type of magic, they're transported inside the world of the 80s slasher movie that her mom was the star of. (laughs) Nice. And so it's this group of modern-day kids, some of whom uh, are completely newbies to the slasher genre, others who are super fans and know this movie inside and out, know everything that's supposed to happen at what minute mark, know all the characters as though they're their friends. It would be like if we all ended up in Friday the 13th and we had to navigate through that without getting killed by Jason, knowing where he's going to show up, who he's going to get next. (laughs) And it's really fun. It's a lot more fun than you would think. And it's shockingly very touching because wow yeah when max shows up she finds that her mother who has been dead for a year 
is um, still alive in the form of her character, Nancy, oh, wow. within the film. And so they become kind of friends within the context of the film. And I'm sorry if I missed this because I'm dense. So the obviously the killings that are happening within the universe of this film are real at this point. Yeah, and and it's confusing, you know, and that's kind of it. Kind of get, it gets into spoilers, but at first oh, they're kind of like, um, it, there are the types of questions you would wonder, like, are they stuck in this movie? Can they leave this movie? You know, can they just drive off into the sunset, or is their entire world contained in this movie? If are they safe because they didn't die in the movie, or do they, if they interact with this world, do they then become part of the? victims you know and so there are all these kind of fun things happening <clears throat> and again it rides that line between scream and scary movie closer to the scary movie side but somehow pulls it off it is a great film wow. and nice. i was surprised and very pleasantly surprised by the final girls and, and, I, and the the 80s elements like fun. the 80s slasher so elements it's super they work fun. really well cool i mean it's just like it's it is what it is on one hand. And there are some scenes and, and really for the first 20 minutes, you'll be questioning it. You're going to be going, I don't know about this. I feel like I'm in the Scooby-Doo movie or something, <laughs> right. but, it, but it eventually starts working and working really well. And it gets better and better as it goes. Nice. And it's, it's really strong guys. Um, and I see I, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to check it. I, I, I meant to check it out. I thought I picked up, the final girls when I was at Walmart and here there's another 2015 movie called final girl. Yes. Starring Abigail Breslin, I think. And Wes um, Bentley. Yes. And Wes Bentley. So I got the wrong movie. Well, and if I you guys see, see that, that maybe we should do a versus episode and we'll do a more in-depth review of this when we can all talk about it and we can, yeah, that would be, that would be final cool. girl versus final girl. Yeah. I'm definitely going to pick Scream this up or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I've had that on the list. Um, the, that, that versus for those two for about like six weeks now. Cause I saw both. Cause I was very confused by that. Like Dr. Shock was, I'm like, wait, there's a movie called Final Girl and one called The Final Girls. Well, That's crazy. When I picked up Final Girl, I had only heard about The Final Girls, the title. I had looked, not mm. looked into it. I knew nothing about it. I didn't know that it was a comedy. I didn't know exactly what it had gotten into. I didn't hadn't seen a trailer, hadn't seen anything. I just had heard – I'd seen people on the message board talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I said, oh, okay, said, look, here it is, and it's right here at my fingertips. Let me pick it up. But it wasn't. It was the wrong one. <laughs> So this film here, though, the one that Josh is reviewing, um, I see that it has uh, maybe from Arrested Development in it. Uh, Aaliyah Shawcott. Yeah, she has a oh. she has a role. It's not super significant, but she's she's in it. That's interesting. I yeah, like that. and there's you know the, a lot of the comic relief characters. Like you know, a third of the film is filled up with comic relief characters. So of course, is, is it is it wrong that now I want to see zombies and cheerleaders? <laughs> I might check it out too after having seen this. Who knows? There's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, Josh, what do you rate the final girls? So the final girls, I just want to say this actually. So it came out, you know, unlike a lot of these movies we talk about, they have such a hard time getting to the marketplace. This one did not at all. It premiered at South by Southwest in March of this year. It was at Toronto at the midnight madness screening in September. It was released on the- in theaters and on video on demand on my birthday. October 9th, 2015. Nice. And, um, yeah. And so I'm, I can't wait for the Blu-ray. I'm totally going to buy this and I'm going to call it a nine. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Awesome. The Blu-ray is out, isn't it? Maybe it is. I don't know. I just, as a matter of fact, I was just on Amazon looking it up. Um, 
And it, yep, as a matter of fact, I picked it up and it's guaranteed to get to me by November 21st. So it's out there. Well, cool. Well, watch it and let us know what you think. <laughs> oh, I will. Yeah, definitely. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. All well, right. Thank you. Nine, for- nine might have been a little high, but I'm going to stick with it. Okay. <laughs> no, let's go for it. Why not? Because yeah. it's, a, it's a really fun movie and it was touching. Like I, I, I got a little misty when I was watching. You don't go into that type of thing expecting like one of the things I did. I enjoyed the first scary movie, but you don't go. You, one thing you don't call it is touching or that you, you can't right. even care about the characters. Sure. So that, right, that's, exactly. You know. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for reviewing that. I'm actually super excited about that. And my list is getting bigger and bigger of stuff I got to do. So, uh, before we wrap up, uh, Josh has a couple quick things. And before we get into those final things, just want to say, um, I did not see Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, but Carl reviewed that over on Movie Podcast Weekly. I understand it's very crass and vulgar and hilarious. Um, I have some friends at work that really enjoyed it. So if you've seen that, <laughs> listeners, let us know what you think. I'm excited about it, actually. And then... And then the witch, the last witch hunter is something that we've got planned in a future episode, but I did hear that it is, at least from GeekCast Ryan on Movie Podcast Weekly, he said it is not horror whatsoever. <laughs> so mm-hmm. but still, it'll fit with our theme, so maybe we could still address it somewhat, but... Yeah, if we don't feature a video, we could talk about it. Heck right. yeah, heck yeah. So, and speaking I heard of, it was great. Did he like it? He, he did love it, but he's, you know, he's... um. He's a fantasy nerd. Yeah, he's into that kind of stuff. So, Josh, I'm dying. Speaking of things that aren't horror, you saw Knock Knock, and you said that that is not horror. No, it, it could have gone. It's weird. It's like um, it's one kill away from being a horror movie or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's like, oh, this is almost horror, but not really. And ultimately, it's kind of like. I said this when I reviewed the guest over on Movie Streamcast. It feels kind of like a throwback '90s thriller. Like it feels like a Pacific Heights, or it feels like you know, like those types of movies. A, a, a single white female, uh, Basic Instinct. Like it feels like those types of movies you'd was find yourself. Arlington in. Road is that one of the? There's one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I gotcha. Sleeping with the Enemy. Right. But, so, right. <clears throat> the Hand That Rocks the Cradle. There's one. Mm-hmm. We we know exactly what we're talking about. Okay. okay. So this is directed and written by Eli Roth. Um, there, he had a few co-writers on it as well. So one would think that it's a full-blown horror flick. But. You would think so. But you talked about Eli Roth pulling back a little bit when we reviewed The Green Inferno. Mm-hmm. This is Eli Roth pulling back all the way. I wow. mean, this is him making a thriller. And, um, but his wife is in it. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, so the, basically <laughs> what you, what you need to know is it's a remake of the 1977 film death game. Okay. And, um, if you know that, then you have a better idea of, of what you're getting. Now I like death game. I thought it was a fun oh. movie, but, um, this is something different. And so, so if you remember Colin camp was in the original death game, well, she's one of the producers on this film, so that's kind of fun. And she has a small cameo role as well. But basically what you have is Keanu Reeves is a loving, doting father and husband. He is an architect. His wife is a successful artist. She leaves town with the kids for the weekend. And during a rainstorm, two hot, young, wet women show up at his door needing a towel and a phone 
uh, so they can find the party they're supposed to be at. <laughs> is one a- of those women Lorenza Izzo? Yes. So okay. uh, Lorenza Izzo is uh, Genesis, and that again, that is Eli Roth's wife that you've mentioned. And the other oh, yes. one is Ana de Armas, and she plays Belle. They knock on the door, and... Um, you know, they basically slowly but surely try to seduce him. And if the beginning, he is nothing but a gentleman, but um, he eventually gives in to uh, their um, attempts at kind of like seducing him. And then they proceed to make his life a living hell for having stepped over that line. And that's really what the movie's about is them <laughs> ruining his life. Uh, for stepping over that line. And it's fun. It's fun enough. Like it's definitely a movie that you can enjoy and, and watch. And um, it, it's, I wish it had gone a little bit further with the horror. There are also besides Lorenza, there are a few other uh, small cameos in this film that you would recognize people from the green Inferno. So that's also fun, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this three hander, I guess it's these three, just these three people are most of the movie. Um, and it's just them in one location for most of the movie. So that, it's, it's a good time. And it's kind of like torture porn without the torture part in a way. Like it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's emotionally, you know, it's emotionally torture porn. It's like, it's very similar to hostile, but without any of the violence. And so, wow. Is, uh, is Keanu Reeves, his usual wooden cardboard. Was, character? That's, what was, that's what I was wondering how he, how he is. He's not movie. great, but he's not bad. I mean, I would say it's, um, you know, there are things that I think really suit his style of acting, and those would be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, that's the, that's what I would go. With. The mate, the Matrix, um, the first and, Matrix. Yeah, and then there are other films that he's just awful in, and I think this is kind of like the Nicholas Cage, uh, Nicholas Cage scale. This is at the higher end of his regular acting movies that he's okay in. Like he's he's not. It's not a movie that's made for him. It could have been anybody. Um, but it's not awful that he's in it. It's just, he's fine. He's passable. He's good. In it. I mean, he's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with him in the role. Okay. You could imagine somebody with some real range, maybe like a Sam Rockwell, like just eating, chewing up the screen with this or something like Gary Oldman. Yeah. I mean, that would be incredible, but he's fine in it. Like he does not detract from the movie at all. So what do you rate? Knock, knock. Just curious. Knock, knock. Um, you know, as a thriller that it is, I wouldn't mind giving it like a seven and saying uh, it's a it's a rental. It's a strong rental. High priority rental. If you like thrillers. Great. Okay. Oh. That sounds pretty good. And the other one I've been dying to hear about from you for a long time, and I know you are very excited about this, is Cooties. Yeah, I was way too excited about Cooties. Um, <laughs> Cooties is... You know, as you said, it's a movie with ghosts in it, I believe, was the, your line about Crimson Peak. This is a comedy with zombies in it, um, cooties. It's not really a horror film. There, You could argue that there are two, two or three horror scenes, but even most of those are played for comedy. There's only one really hardcore horror scene, um, that, you know, that really works for me, like in a tragic way. The rest of it's just kind of silly. It's got a really great cast, but I would say most of them are underutilized. Elijah Wood is really good in this. It also stars Allison Pill, Rain Wilson, Jack McBrayer, Jorge Garcia. 
Um, this was at Sundance uh, on their, you know, Park City at Midnight screenings. Um, it was eventually released by Lionsgate this year, and it's fine. Uh, it's it's just on the lower end of the zombie comedies for me. So it's right? not really a zombie movie. It's more of a comedy. Yeah. I mean, there are zombies throughout. So, I mean, I can understand why people would call it a zombie comedy. I mean, there are zombies in the entire movie, but it's just there's a zero actual threat. And the way the zombies are done is some of my least favorite style of zombie um, in the film. I would say this reminds me of like a warm bodies in terms of the way zombies are used, although less threatening than some of the scarier bone zombies in warm bodies. Which yeah. I, didn't like but i think those are more of a threat right right okay this is also maybe something like fido and i know sal i reviewed this over on movie streamcast you can hear my full review over there um sal said i like fido and i like warm bodies and i liked cooties and then i say more power to you buddy like it's a fine movie. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not that it's a bad movie and it starts out strong like it's a great um it's a great premise for how the disease because it is a virus viral zombie movie is spread. I talked about this also when I talked about the faculty over on uh, the sci-fi podcast, but basically this is like the reverse of the faculty in that film. Elijah Wood is a high school student and the administration are the threat in this movie. Elijah Wood is a teacher and the students are the threat. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if it took place at the same school, which it doesn't, but that would have been kind of cool if they had done that. Yes. And, um, and uh, yeah, and again, it's just like Elijah Wood's great in it. Alison Pill's fine in it. She's a little bit underused. Rain Wilson is way underused. Jack McGuire is horribly underused. Like, I don't think he's funny at all in this. And I think he's a really funny guy on 30 rock. Um, and Jorge Garcia is basically just a cameo. He, they go to throughout and he's fine. He's pretty funny, but overall, I just think, um, it's a bit of a missed opportunity for me. Huh. So I was, I was sad because I really like Spectre vision and I like what their goal is, as a film production company. And so I want to root for them. And I, and I, you know, I support this film to some degree, but I, I can't remember exactly what I called this one on movie streamcast. I don't remember at all. So Can you- I don't, I don't want to contradict myself, so just go over there and listen to it. <laughs> it was a movie streamcast episode 54 if you want to hear more details about cooties. I know. Do you have your um over there? Do you have your ratings written written up? I don't write them in the show notes, no, because the podcasts oh. are so short. I do have an archive of the ratings uh, that you started actually, but I have not uh, updated it as of late. So it doesn't have this particular episode rated. Unfortunately, uh, I got you. But, but as far as like, should people rent this, buy it? Like how they, can you, it's, I would call it a, if you like movies like Fido, if you like movies like warm bodies, I would say it's less of a zombie movie than zombie land. For instance, um, I'm not even going to mention the same breath as my other favorite zombie comedy. Um, <laughs> if you like those types of films, then I would say it's worth a watch. It's worth a rental. Okay, but um, it's definitely not a buy for me. I got you, and it's a low. It would for me personally, it's a low priority rental. Okay. Um, I also reviewed the film Lost After Dark. I won't spend much time talking about it here because I did a full written review during the thirty one days of Halloween. If people want to go to horrormoviepodcast.com, you can find that there with our reviews. This is another one that kind of falls in the area of the Final Girls 
but I would say this one is one that does it wrong. It's supposed to be kind of this meta postmodern look at the slasher genre. And I would say this is far less effective than what the final girls does. I, I liked it. I didn't hate it. Um, but the final girls is the one to watch. I, and I have seen lost after dark and yeah, I'll agree with you. I think it's, I like, I mean, I liked it too. I thought it was, I thought it was a good, I thought there were parts of it that, that were sort of a good throwback to the eighties. Yeah, there were some um, nice moments. And I, di- I didn't like the whole <sighs> grindhouse thing they were throwing in there with the scratchy film. Um, yeah, where, it, where it really did purposefully work scratched it up. And then the missing reel, was it just me or was did it look like there wasn't too much missing? It looked to me like they screwed up the shot. They didn't have enough money to fix it. And so they just said, well, let's just do what they do in Grindhouse and say there's... And through, the okay, well, that would make sense because it's not a full real missing. There's no, no way. It's definitely not a real there's missing. There's no way. And it's not It's not something like with the Grindhouse, it's a joke. Uh-huh. And this, it's never yes. referenced that like the, the real is missing. So it just feels really cheap. Right. But I did enjoy it. I, 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 I like it too. It was... And there are some elements that are really smart. But I yes. would just say that movie feels like it's trying really hard and the, it's mentioning just for the sake of mentioning it, whereas the final girls feels like a cohesive piece, you know, all the way through. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. I, I liked I liked this one okay, but you can read my review also at the site. So, all right. Well, thanks you guys. So that's great. This is a fun time to catch up here on another Frankensteinian episode. These are actually my personal favorite kinds of shows. I like how random and crazy it is. All kind of stuff. Got stories about. Virginia's handyman and all kind of <laughs> reviews and scariness. So I loved it. So I think that wraps up episode 76 of Horror Movie Podcast. Want to thank everybody for listening. We hope you'd enjoyed the show here. And um, just want to encourage people to go check out Movie Podcast Weekly, which is our one of our sister shows. We have, we're actually part of a pretty big network now of movie podcasts of all sorts. You got the sci-fi podcast, you got the geek cast live podcast, you got movie Streamcast and uh, movie podcast weekly, uh, uh, Joel Robertson's show, right? Yeah. Yep. Which is yep. currently forgotten flicks remembers, but he's switching it over to a new show. So yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's crazy. Look forward to that. So yeah, we're really excited about that. What, what do you got Wolfman Josh? You tell people to check out. I mean, same stuff. Uh, check out all the shows on Movie Podcast Network. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Icarus Arts. Uh, we're doing fun stuff covering the current season of Survivor over on Movie Streamcast, as well as just a plethora of great films. Um, and again, I've mentioned it before, but we did cover horror films throughout, or creepy, scary movies throughout the month of October. The Sci-Fi Podcast is doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, they're just about to start their ramp up to the Star Wars Episode 7 release, and so there's going to be all Star Star Wars all the time until that starts, but there have been some great episodes, like I mentioned Andrew WK was just on the show, and they did an hour with him, and then another hour just only talking about the Bill and Ted's movies. That was was a lot of fun. Um, Jay was on for two super long episodes where they reviewed the entire Alien franchise, (laughs) and we did a Halloween special, which I really enjoyed, where basically each of us just brought our favorite horror sci-fi movie to the table and and talked about it for Halloween. So that was fun. Thank you for reminding me, by the way. Yeah, we were actually doing something special on Movie Podcast Weekly, and I totally spaced it. That's terrible. For for like seven weeks in a row, you know, we, we've been reviewing one Star Wars film per week, ramping up to the release of Episode 7. That's right. I caught your Episode 1 review and hated it. 
How do you guys like that movie? Ah, it was drunk what, crazy. The Phantom Menace? They love it. They all you love guys it. Like that is the not Phantom accurate. Menace? That is not at all accurate. They all gave it. I mean, people, several people said buy it, Dave. Several oh. people. Oh, that movie is unwatchable. No, unbearably bad. Well, you'll have to hear the episode, Dave, and everybody else out there. But yeah, listen to it. They're doing great job reviewing the movies. They just the the nutshell, though, to my argument was yes, it's it's dumb, and there are lots of terrible elements. But I really think that we've underappreciated the technical achievements that have gone into that movie. Yeah, it's a three of wood. <laughs> yeah, no, taking it, into the account, taking into account the technical. See, part of the problem with me is my I, my kids. I started this sort of tradition of watching the Star Wars movies like once a year, and watching them in order. But for me, the order is four, five, six, and then we get around to that garbage. Yeah. But for them, it, we've got to start with number one. That's sort of there. They're they're big fans of the of the of the newer, uh, you know, the, the prequels. And I cannot stomach that first movie. I just can't do it. I think I don't even have as much of a problem with with Attack of the Clones or or you know Revenge of the Sith. That that first one though, it is just. <laughs> well, have you heard of the Machete Order? You can cut out the first film and then you watch. I don't know. The, uh, you have to look it up online. It's basically, dumb. you watch some of the others as flashbacks. I think it's great. I think it's a great idea if you were going to watch. Uh, two and three, which I don't recommend watching those either. I just say, <laughs> pretend those never happened and right. enjoy your life more. Right, right, right. Okay, Dave, so um, <laughs> what are your plugs? Tell people to check out. What do you tell oh, them? The same as always. Um, uh, DVDinfatuation.com, still going strong. Uh, approaching another milestone, which I was just looking it up. It looks as if I will hit it on February 6th of next year. I'll hit my number 2,000. Um, I'm at number 1920 now. Nice. Um, so, yep, still posting one a day. Uh, at DVD Infatuation over on Twitter. Um, uh, come, you know, check check me out there. I, I have, uh, you know, I, I do send out a lot of tweets, but uh, if you can deal with that, then I'd, I'd like to, uh, you know, stop by and say hello over there. Um Dave I tweets have- a lot, but they're quality tweets. Amazing. And he, and he also responds and is really awesome about, like, you know, responding and follow Friday, all that kind of stuff. He's, Unlike me. He's like a uh, pro tweeter. Yes. <laughs> he's the antithesis <laughs> tweeter. Oh, of thank you. Yeah. And that's, I actually hit another milestone there earlier this week. I am over 40,000 followers now. Crazy, dude. And it's just growing. It, you know, it's just sort of, it's, I'm to the point now that it's just, I'm not, doing anything but sending out tweets it's growing you know by about 250 a week on average now what that's yeah, crazy dude just doing just, it right just yeah i got like um, five a week thank you by the way dave thanks for retweet dave did a couple of kind retweets for me this week oh no problem and I'm, i apologize i didn't get to him sooner <laughs> because i get so many messages over there now things get lost because i'm sure so many of these automated Things when you follow because 250 like, followers a week on average, yeah, because you know you lose some, you lose some the people who unfollow and so forth. But it looks to be, you know, for the last five weeks, it has averaged about 250 new ones a week. That's awesome, and yeah, yeah, congratulations. And did you Thank tell you. people to check out Land of the Creeps Horror Podcast? Oh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I wasn't quite done. I'm sorry, I have the Facebook page, um, which you can uh, you, 
check out in the show notes. Um, and uh, go over to Land of the Creeps. Actually, we just did an episode where we looked at the uh, Edgar Allan Poe, um, Vincent Price, Roger Corman films, uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, interestingly enough, in the future, and I, this would be something I'd like to actually talk to you guys about as well. Um, you know, Fulci came up in this episode. Uh, I'd very much like to take a look at that trilogy, that Gates of Hell trilogy of Lucio Fulci's. Yes. And I think that could be an interesting show, you know, with the um, uh, City of the Living Dead, The Beyond, and um, House by the Cemetery. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. And I failed to mention this during the Crimson Peak review, but that actually, like, all the colors and the look of the film, he was heavily influenced by Mario Bava. So oh, that's another horror thing to appreciate about that film as well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And we want you to know that we love your comments, so make sure you get involved in the horror movie podcast community and keep those coming. Uh, you can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode or email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all our episodes, including the weekly horror movie podcast and horror metropolis archives at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at horrormoviecast. And we want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the horror movie podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. That'll be linked in the show notes. And I think that's it for episode 76. We thank you for listening and join us again Friday after next in two weeks for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies.